Well, uh, about three weeks ago, 17 or so families loaded up their minivans and SUVs, packed their families to the brim in these cars and brought bug spray and all kinds of stuff and headed out to a place called Rockbridge for family camp. It was our inaugural visit to family camp and what an inaugural visit it was. We went out there from Spring Branch. We took, took a bunch of you in this room out there and had an absolute blast. And we, uh, while the parents were, had, uh, were learning about uh, who Jesus was and the story that, uh, that he has written for them, kids were hearing about it on their own level and own programming style. And then we did fun stuff together, all kinds of crazy stuff. There, were, there was a giant blob where we got to send our kids 50 feet in the air, splat right on their bellies in the water. It was wonderful. It was joyous. There was an 800-foot zip line where we got to zip down with, alongside of our kids and climbing towers. It was an absolute blast. So next year, we want to see all of you there because it is so much fun. But you know what? I remember one particular moment specifically from family camp that I will never forget. You see, camp really builds momentum as the experience continues. In the last day, it's just one thing right after another, one thing right after another, till to a point where parents were coming up to me and say, do the hits ever stop? And I said, no, the hits just keep on coming. And so we just kept doing one thing after another, and parents are dragging along, and their kids are saying, let's go, it's got to be more. And so just when we thought the last night was over, we exited the auditorium, and we went out to this, uh, to this beautiful field, and it was pitch black and dark, and we thought, this is going to be the end of a great night. It was going to be wonderful. Let's go get some sleep. It was about 10 o'clock. What happened next absolutely was amazing for everybody who was there. See, a cannon blast, boom, which scared us a little bit. And then lights came up and the sky was, was on fire with this most amazing hoedown carnival that you've ever seen in your life. And so kids saw cotton candy and funnel cakes and nothing says awesome and fun to parents at 10 p.m. for their kids than cotton candy and funnel cake. And so there were little booths, there was square dancing and music. It was an absolute amazing time. And it was something you don't get to do a whole lot of back here in Virginia Beach. Well, part of what happened was is that kids were able to go from booth to booth to booth to win these tickets to, to do different things. They could, uh, you know, they would putt-putt golf and, and they would get a, a certain amount of tickets if they got a hole-in-one and they would knock old uh, milk bottles down with a baseball and then they'd get tickets. Well, they could use those tickets to buy cotton candy or a snow cone or you know, a funnel cake, or they could pie their parents in the face. Maybe you remember these moments pieing someone in the face from the old, old vaudeville days, or maybe from, uh, you know, the Three Stooges. Oh, no, it was live and in full color at Rockbridge Family Camp 2012. So parents were, were taking whipped cream pies in the face left and right by their kids, and I was pretty sure that I was going to avoid the moment. And I saw Zoe, my four-year-old, she, she was running across this field as fast as she could with the biggest smile on her face, and she said, Dad, and she made me bend down. She put her hands on my face and she said, I want to pie you in the face. And I said, awesome. Let's go do this. And so we went over to the booth and this is a picture of me getting ready here, sticking my face out of this little thing here. And now Zoe couldn't reach, the, reach me. It was a little sad there. But, but my good friend Kevin McGee, as you can see, was willing to jump in and help. 
Thank you so much for your ministry, Kevin. You're changing lives uh, one sticky face at a time. And so after this, you can see I'm taking a picture here with, with Zoe, a little pie on my face. That little girl was never so happy and is when she got to pie her dad in the face. Wasn't that the story of our lives as parents and grandparents and mentors and volunteers? We take pies in the face. We eat pancakes with ketchup and hot sauce on them. We drive our kids from activity to activity. We go on retreats. We volunteer in Promised Land in Rock City over and over and over again. And we do it with kind of a common goal. And that's that we want to somehow build trust in all of this. We want our kids, we want a, a, a child growing up in a faith community even to know that this is a place that loves them that wants to have fun, and we're willing to take those shots over time, hoping that as we do that, as we do all that we do for kids, that it will build trust that will one day lead to influence. See, influence is really what today is all about. It's not just about activities that keep, kid in, keep kids in church or keeps faith around. It's not just about that, but it's about influence. And if there's one thing that defines and unifies all of us is that we all want to be influential. We all have a desire within us to make a difference in the life of someone else for the sake of the gospel. And so in this conversation today, that's our job. We are leading a generation. Remember from last week, we said Proverbs 22, 6 says this. It says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. And so we're hoping that as we do all of these things in order to build a sticky faith, we're hoping that we'll be able to leverage that trust for the sake of influence. So that when life unfolds, when life doesn't make sense, maybe we'll have the opportunity to say to kids, here is, here's what I've been through, and here's who God is, and how he has walked me through all of these things. That's the story of Sticky Faith today. And really today is, is about building trust that one day will lead to influence. We're bridge builders. That's what we're here to do today. We're building bridges. Well, Gordon MacDonald, in his book, Building Below the Waterline, talks about one of the most famous bridges, the Brooklyn Bridge. And he writes this. He says, the Brooklyn Bridge remains a major transportation artery in New York City today because 135 years ago, the chief engineer and his construction team did their most patient and daring work where no one could see it, on the foundations of the towers below the waterline. You see, as people who are investing into a generation that is emerging, so much of what we do goes unspoken. Moms and dads and grandparents and volunteers and mentors, you don't get medals or time on the screen for most of what you do. But that work that you put in where nobody is paying attention, the life that you're living alongside of this generation is something that will one day be a foundation that will build a bridge towards faith. Gordon MacDonald says it's one more illustration of an ageless principle in leadership. The work done below the waterline determines whether he or she will stand the test of time and challenge. Man, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want as parents 
uh, for our kids? Isn't that what we want as grandparents, as people who are volunteering in student ministry, who have invested years and years into, into high school and middle school kids, knowing, God, we want them, their lives, to be able to stand the test of time, to not walk away from faith when life gets difficult, to not walk away when, from faith when they get out of high school, as 40 to 50% of people, statistics show, will do. We've got to do better than that. And so our conversation today about bridge building is really this. It's about leveraging trust towards influence. You know, here's what I, when I think about bridges, here's what I know about them. And probably these thoughts are not going to be that earth shattering. But here's what, here's what comes to mind to me. And I think it's important for our conversation. Is that first it takes a plan to build a bridge. Of course it does, right? First, it starts off with somebody saying, hey, we're here and we need to get over there. Something over there is worth getting to. And so we've got to build a way for people to get over there. If it's to alleviate traffic, it's to make life easier, whatever it is. Some of the first bridges were built to really, you know, to, to be able to connect one place to another that wasn't connected before. And so they, what, what happens when a plan is put together? Somebody says, well, we've got to build a vision for it because we're going to have to fundraise. It's going to cost money. And then we're going to have to get the right people engaged in this conversation who know how to, to draw an artist's rendering and who can, who can design the engineering below the waterline and who can give us the pretty image that we'll all see and work across. And who's going to make sure that quality assurance tests are done and who's going to make sure that the workers are safe? Who's going to do all those things? It requires a plan to build a bridge. But it's surprising how often when I have conversations with parents and grandparents about raising kids in faith how little they know about building a plan or having a plan for building that type of sticky bridge that we're going to talk about this morning. The plan usually is let's get them to church and that's going to fix them. If I can just get them doing enough Christian activity, that's going to fix them. If I can get them around the right volunteers, that's going to fix them. Maybe if we can say a prayer for our food, maybe that consistently, maybe that will be a part of the solution. And all those things are not intrinsically wrong. Those are all great things to do. But if you have a goal for, for a child in mind, if there's a particular value, if, if you want, for example, in our family, we want kids to get that serving is normal, as I've mentioned before. And so we have to think, how are we building a bridge toward that end so that when our kids graduate from high school, that they get that serving is normal? What about for you? What's a value that's important to you that comes out of the scriptures? Maybe honesty, maybe uh, integrity, maybe making a wise choice. Well, how are you building a bridge toward that end so that it's not just about a lecture a couple of weeks before a kid goes off to college where you're trying desperately to connect the dots for them? Hopefully that something will catch. You know, there's got to be a plan that's put into place. Another thing that comes to mind is that no two bridges are alike. You know, while a bridge may look the same on the surface, what's below the waterline is entirely different based on the tides, based on uh, whatever the soil is underneath the, uh, underneath the waterline. And what that, what that brings to mind for me is that while one bridge might work for one child, it might not work for another child because of all that is required that you can't see. All of the inside stuff. My son Luke is introverted. He's focused. He loves science. He, likes, he doesn't like singing in front of people. He doesn't like anything that requires a, de a demonstrative expression of anything. He's just very focused. Now my girls are entirely different than that. And so if I try and use the same bridge towards faith for Luke that I use for Zoe and Lily, it's not going to work. In fact, it could turn him away. If he thinks, well, I can't find my own expression of faith, I have to be like them, that doesn't work. 
I think intuitively we know that as parents, but so often we try the kind of one-size-fits-all model. And so we have to remember that no two bridges are alike. What works for one child may not work for another. And finally, a thought comes to mind that sometimes we have to tear down old bridges to build new ones. Perfectly functioning bridges may have to be torn down because they worked for a season. Maybe they were, there was a two-lane bridge was enough for the amount of traffic that, that, that it was built for initially, but now we need four lanes of traffic. There's, maybe the integrity of the bridge isn't as strong as it used to be, and it's, it's kind of rickety, but you know, we can make it across. We've got to be thinking about one of the toughest parts of this conversation is, do we need to tear down some bridges that may be functioning right now in order to prepare for what's to come? That might require some some transparency, some vulnerability for maybe even you as the bridge builders to say, man, I've made mistakes. And what I thought this was going to work, but it doesn't. And kids, I'm sorry, but here's what we're going to do together collectively to really build this bridge towards sticky faith. This is what it's all about. You know, and if you're a student in this room or a child in this room, you have a role in this conversation. This isn't just about mom and dad or grandparents or volunteers. This isn't just a one-way conversation. You have a responsibility to respectfully and with integrity to lean into it as well because you have just as much responsibility in this conversation as they do. And so we all have something to learn today from this conversation on Sticky Faith. Jesus talked a lot, naturally, about building things in the Gospels. He talked about, remember, how how not to build a house on sand. If you build a house on sand, when the the storms come, what's going to happen? It's going to get washed away. But still, we continue to build houses on sand. He says that I I am the only person, I'm the only entity, I'm the only God that is strong enough to endure life when it unfolds. So build a house on me and my principles. Well, in Luke chapter 14, in a conversation about what is, the, what is it really going to cost you to follow Christ, he lays out three different stories. And in the midst of those stories is one where he, he talks about, hey, you've got to really consider what is it going to cost to follow me. It's not going to be easy necessarily. It may cost you time and resources and energy. You need to know what you're getting into. It's going to require a plan. Faith building requires a plan. And so let's look at what he has to say to us about building trust that will lead to influence one day with our kids. He says in Luke 14, verse 28, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays down the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. There's not a person in this room who wants to send their child off into the adult world with a thought in, your, in their mind that, that everyone would look and say, wow, you, you, didn't, you didn't put much thought into this, did you? You wanted them to grow up in faith, but, but look at them now. Was there a plan in place? Were you thinking about it? What were you doing to really own this story of faith? And what occurs to me out of this passage is that really the burden of completion is on the builder. You know, while there's a a marriage of of what God is doing in us and through us, through his spirit, with regards to spiritual uh, ownership and spiritual formation and building up sticky faith, God has placed the responsibility of building that faith into this generation on us 
as parents and grandparents and mentors and volunteers. And so the burden of completion, it's not on the person next to you. It's on you. It's on all of us. And so we have to lean into that conversation a little bit more uh, closely because it's our responsibility to do this. And so today we're talking about concrete ways, concrete bridges that we can build that will ultimately build a a sticky faith with our kids. That when they graduate from high school and move on to adulthood, that they won't walk away from their faith. Well, this series is based on a a book by doctors Kara Powell and Chap Clark called Sticky Faith, if you're here with us for the first time today. And it's a fantastic book, and uh, it's one that has really uh, challenged our children's ministry, our student ministry, how we think about family ministry. We're all reading this collectively to see how can we, as many of us are parents first, how can we raise our kids up with a faith that lasts, but also what can we be doing as a church to better prepare all of us to really take this conversation seriously? Because generations and times are changing, and we have to be willing to invest into that time change. In fact, what the bridges that used to work five or ten years ago may not be functional anymore. And so we want to do that well. Well, there's a lot of concrete bridges to build uh, listed in this book, Sticky Faith. By the book, we're going to be doing a class in A2, uh, open house next week, and starting the week after that, for seven weeks, Lee and Stephanie Clark are going to walk people through this. Uh, I challenge you to, to, uh, to take it. But tonight, I'm going to, or today rather, I'm going to look specifically at one chapter, chapter four, four where it talks about Sticky Faith conversations. Because if I hear one thing more than any other from parents and mentors and volunteers and grandparents, it's that we don't know what to say about faith. We don't know. We're afraid to say the wrong thing. What if we say the wrong thing and it pushes our kids towards doubt? You know, what, if I, what if I don't give them the right answer? I think what we're going to find in this book is going to surprise us about that conversation. This is what, uh, what the authors write. They say, imagine we planted a microphone in your house. (laughs) Scary, we know. We didn't do that, by the way. That's not part of what's coming next. And imagine we recorded a week's worth of your family's conversations. What would be the number one topic of discussion? I'm guessing it would be logistics. Like your daughter asking you to take her to the art store for supplies to finish her class project. And your son asking when his friend can come over to shoot some hoops. But what percentage of your conversations would explicitly mention God? Or have an overt connection to your faith? What's your guess? While we know that actions speak louder than words, words still really matter. And so how can you make sure that you create both a tone and a schedule that encourage conversations that further sticky faith? Far more important than any microphone we would plant, your kids are listening and learning from the way you talk or don't talk about your faith. Your kids are listening. They're listening to what you have to say. And so let's get to the business of building trust that leads to influence. That's what really the conversation of Sticky Faith is all about. So I'm going to give you five bridges this morning. We're going to move through them pretty quickly. And I'm going to actually post my notes online. If you wanted to follow along, you'll be able to download them and you'll be able to pick them up next week from the, uh, from the information center. So if you miss one, that's okay. Here's the first bridge. 
Provide space and time for quality conversations. The first bridge is so important. It's one that probably you were expecting and that you already know about. But if you're like Perrin and me, we always talk about finding time. But rarely do we have time because our Google calendars are so chocked full of awesome things that are going on. Many of which are involving a lot of you and great faith-based things and activities and parties and birthday parties and soccer games and, and dance recitals. All kinds of things. But you know the, the reality about time is that it, you can't just make it. You have to be willing to take it. You've got to take that time. And part of that, considering the cost of building this tower, is what are you going to have to say no to? We said that even last week. You've got to create the space to do that. Now, as your kids get older, certainly those conversations become more and more difficult, but they don't, they're not impossible. You just have to be more creative. So one of the things that we do as young parents is that we look for inexpensive, fun things to do all the time. We love to ride bikes on the boardwalk. We love to go to the bay. We love to do just about anything that can bring us together. We're, if we're out and about, we're almost always together. We just love to have fun together. And sometimes uh, that involves princesses for poor Luke. And sometimes, you know, that involves uh, all kinds of activities that some, some of our kids, or Lily or Zoe, may not be as excited about but we're teaching that, hey, we are in this together. And at the end of those times, we always pull together and try and be intentional about the questions that we ask. Here's a couple. You know, one of the things that we like to ask is, is what's your idea of the best day ever? What a fun, easy question. You know, what's, your, what's the best day ever? Or, you know, what would your friends, as your kids get older, maybe ask this question, especially in fourth and fifth grade, what, what would your friends say that they like about you? Because we want to build self-esteem. And maybe we could point some things out too. But it's great when we can build into a culture that conversation about those things. Here's a tough one. What do you wish was different about our family? Just hope they don't point to you. But kids are honest. And maybe that's what you need to hear. You need to be different. I need you to put your cell phone down. I need you to stop texting. I need you to pay attention to me when I talk to you. All of these things, you know, those aren't limited to parents. It's a part of our culture today. We're just so busy and active. But we have to be serious about putting a plan together to create time and space for quality conversations. And all of this is with one goal, that as we do this, we're going to build trust that will one day lead to influence. Here's another bridge. Learn to listen and ask questions, not lecture. You know, it didn't, it didn't work when your parents did it to you. But yet so often we just kind of jump right back into the same modes. And I am just as guilty as the next person. But maybe instead of lecturing, maybe encourage some individual thoughts. Maybe don't worry so much about the right answers. Be okay with the tension of the in-between. You know, the scriptures say to lead a child in the way that they should go, not drag them. And sometimes I think with our, our hearts the size of Texas, we, we think we're doing the right things by answering our kids' questions and by trying to have them give us the right answers, but we're missing the point. Luke, about uh, a couple months ago, came to me and he, he gave me a penny. And he said, hey, I found a penny. Heads up, it's a lucky penny. I wanted to give it to you. And I said, well, Luke, thank you. Um, but, you know, I, Luke, f f you know, luck isn't really a part of of our story of faith. You know, it's, we really believe that God blesses us and the Bible says that every per good and perfect gift comes from above and he's like, what? what? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a penny. Do you, you want the penny? You don't want the penny? I'll give it to somebody else. 
So about a, a few weeks later, he comes up with another penny, and he says, here's a penny, it's heads up, it's good luck. And I said, well, Luke, if you recall the conversation that we had a month ago, luck is really not a part of our story of faith, for we believe in the scriptures, it says, that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And so it is a, it is a gift, and he's like, all right. So two days ago, he comes to me. He's got another penny, and he says, look, it's heads up, he's relentless, it's good luck, I want to give it to you. You know what I did? <laughs> it took me three times. But I said, thank you. Thank you for this penny. And you know what he was trying to teach me? <laughs> Without teaching me, he didn't know what he was doing. See, love his love language is gift giving. And so he was just trying. All he knew was to be generous. I want to give to you because I care about you and I love you. And I was worried about him having the right theology. I was worried about proving a point here when who really had the right theology? It was Luke. Because he gets generosity. Now, will he eventually get that luck isn't a part of our story of faith? Yeah, he will. But it's not going to help if I keep shoving it down his throat. And sometimes we have to do better at listening and, not, and asking questions versus lecturing. Uh, here's a sticky faith principle that comes out of that. Never explain something to a kid if you can ask a question instead. Try and remember that. That's really important. Number three, don't avoid the touchy subjects. Uh, while the book doesn't point to this, I would say as a caveat, don't make the touchy subjects the only sticky conversations that you have with your kids about faith. You know, about the tough stuff that come with relationships as we move into middle school and high school, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, those things, those are important conversations to have. Lean into them. Don't make those the first ones, but when you have them, make sure that you're vulnerable and you're transparent. And you own the fact that, hey, this is a tough conversation, and I don't know how to do this right, but i got to tell you, this is important stuff. And so I'm just asking for a little bit of grace. And when you do that, your kids are going to understand. They're just as awkward and uncomfortable as you are in that moment, but if you can build a tradition of those kinds of conversations happening all along, you will build trust that you can leverage toward influence. That's your goal, so that they'll listen. They'll listen, and that's what we want them to do. Number four, talk about your faith with your kids. Talk about your faith. Notice I didn't just say talk about faith with your kids. Talk about your faith with your kids. Here's a, su a surprising statistic from the book. They say, according to the Search Institute's nationwide study of 11,000 teenagers from 561 congregations across six denominations... 12% of youth, or one out of eight, have a regular dialogue with their mom on faith issues. And only 5%, or one out of 20, have a regular faith conversation with dad. Man, that's just tough. And I know these conversations about your faith are tough because what if I tell them that I, I don't have it all figured out? What if they find I don't, I don't, I don't have all the pieces of the puzzle together? We're going to find that that may be a part of their story. But talk about your faith, not just about the scriptures or your experiences at church, but talk about how your faith impacts your, your life and your job. Uh, how it impacted your life as you were growing up. And maybe faith wasn't a part of your story growing up, and that's okay. Say, so, you know, faith for me was something I made fun of. It was something I didn't know what to do with. And here's, here's my progression. Here's my story. Can your kids tell your testimony? Can they, can they describe, can they, they certainly can talk about whether or not you, what school you went to after high school, what college you went to, because they're wearing all the gear that you make them wear to support your football team. 
You know, they can talk about, you know, what, uh, you know, Major League Baseball team you love because they're wearing all your gear and they don't know anything about it, but they love it because you love it. Well, can they tell your story of faith? I wonder if they can. And it's an important part of the process. And I know it's tough because as kids get older, kids don't want to talk, do they? Kind of. I think they want to talk. But they're pushing back just because that's a part of growing up and being independent. But don't assume that just because they say they don't want to talk, that they don't actually want to talk. What it requires is that you may have to build a new bridge. You've got to be more creative. If, you know, and what maybe worked in the past when you used to say, I remember the days when you would just sit on my lap and we would talk about things. And now you're all grown up and you don't want to talk to me anymore. Why don't you want to talk to me anymore? Try to avoid the word why. <laughs> maybe start thinking about, wow, I wonder what they're interested in. They like Justin Bieber? Become a Justin Bieber fan. And then find a way to see where Justin Bieber is in the news and talk about maybe where faith and life intersect with his life. If they're into video games, you know, some video games they shouldn't be into, let's be honest. But if they're good video games, you know, then maybe find out, you know, talk about what do you love about these games? Well, I like to play online, interact with community, and that's fun. And maybe talk about community and friends. And maybe there are movies or television shows they love to watch. They're all great segues to conversations of faith. But the older your kids get, they're getting smart, okay? And they can sniff out a sticky faith conversation coming. And they're even going to say, sticky faith conversation! And they're going to run or they're going to give you the answer that you need or that you want to hear. And then they're, they're going to run out the back door. So you've got to become like a conversation ninja. You've got to find ways, you know, to come sideways so that they're not expecting it. And there you are listening to what's going on. You've got to find ways to meet them where they are. Be honest about your faith and talk about it. You know, that's something I struggle with as well. Be appropriately transparent and vulnerable. You're not their best friend as a child. You're, you st your role is still to be their parent. But where can you start to build a new bridge? It's something so important to consider. And here's the last thought. And this is the one that hits home to me. And that's to talk about your doubts with your kids. Talk about your doubts. Kara Powell writes that while it's assumed that doubting our faith is wrong or even sinful, our research brings a counter perspective. Students who feel the freedom and have the opportunities to express their doubts tend to have more sticky faith. They tend to have more sticky faith. That doesn't even make sense, but somehow that's a part of the story. When, I, uh, when my sister was a freshman in high school, she's about 14 years younger than me, my mom did the, one of the most brave things a parent could ever do, and that was she asked me, she said, hey, you know, your sister's moving into high school and you've been where she is in many ways and certainly you were raised by me. What are some of the things that I could have done better in this faith conversation or just in raising her? What, what would you have, have wanted me to do? Well, as it turns out, I was ready for that conversation with my notebook and I pulled it out and I turned to page 63 I told her this. First of all, I was so humbled by that conversation. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, that I think so much about sticky faith today is because of mom. But I, I told her, I said, Mom, this is the one thing I wish you had done more of. I wish you had told me that you didn't have it all figured out. I wish you had told me, even when times were tough, and specifically, not just that you didn't have it all figured out, but, but in certain moments where faith just wasn't connecting, where it wasn't making sense. 
or what faith was like when you were a young adult, or where, what faith was like even yesterday for you. I wish I had known that. And as I told her those stories, she be, just began to weep because she said, Oh, Adam, if you only knew, if you only knew that I don't have it all figured out, well, Mom, I know that now. But, but my sister, who's in ninth grade, needs to hear that. She needs to hear, and, and she's going to grow, and her faith is going to grow as a result of you maybe being honest and being transparent, being a little bit vulnerable about your doubts. You see, the goal, Mom, is that as you are transparent and vulnerable, you're building trust. Parents, as you do that, you're building trust. Why? So that one day it will lead to influence. So that we can say, yeah, I don't have it all figured out. I don't have all the answers. But you know what? I pray that God one day is going to help us find the answers. And we're going to look for those answers together. And maybe we'll get the answer and maybe we won't. But we pray that God would give us peace to be okay in the in-between. You see, that's the story of sticky faith. It requires a plan. It requires that we know what we're doing. It requires great intentionality. And it's not something that's limited just to the parents in this room, but it's, it's something that a whole faith community has to own in order for us to get this right. It's all about building trust that will one day lead to influence. Well, you know, as I look at this picture that I showed you earlier this morning, me and Zoe, with pie on my face, and I see the smile that she has as she's putting that plate in my face, you know what I think? Probably the same thing as every single one of you would think in that moment. I'll take a pie in the face every day for the rest of my life for that little girl. And I would do the same for any of your kids as well. And I will do the same for any emerging child or student. So that what? So that just like for Zoe, I hope in some small and subconscious way that she's getting that I'm okay with her dirt I'm okay with her doubts. I'm okay with her questions. And that mom and dad are willing to wade into the messiness of life with her. Because sticky faith is not all about putting on an image and a front. It's about being honest about who we are. And having small and steady and simple conversations. That will one day lead a child toward a lifelong relationship. With the only person, the only God who can promise abundant life. That's what sticky faith is all about. That's what it all comes down to. And you know, some of you today, some of you today need to know this. You need to take a pie in the face. Some of you parents of teenagers, you need to take a pie in the face and tell your kids that, hey, I've I've, I've made some mistakes. Even in our relationship together, in our relationship in this conversation about God, I need to take a pie in the face and be willing to get a little messy yourself and say, but we can start over fresh again today. We can start over. You can do that. You see, your expiration date never ends as a sticky faith mentor, as a sticky faith parent, grandparent, or volunteer. It never ends. In. So find some hope in that. And I pray that as we do this together, you're going to get that there is no silver bullet. There's no one answer. But somehow as we place our kids' lives back into the hands of Jesus, and we ask him to mold and shape them, and we pray that he, somehow he is going to give us the strength to do what needs to happen so that we can build trust that will one day lead to influence. What a joy it is to be in that process. Let's pray together. 
Gracious God, some of us in this room need to develop a taste for whipped cream on our face. As young parents, we need to develop a a process in a conversation that embraces a real and vibrant faith that isn't just about attendance or sin management or obedience, but it's about trusting in a God, the only God, who can promise abundant life. And so God, where we've missed the mark, would you forgive us? And would you wipe the slate clean today as you promised to do an endless amount of times? And would you send us from this place with a renewed sense of energy and excitement for our own salvation and knowledge of you, God? And for those of us in this room who have yet to come to a place where we can say we know you personally, would this even spark that conversation? What does it mean to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ? So God, give us hope, give us promise, give us perspective so that we could raise up a generation with a faith that will not pass away when life gets tough. God, we say all these things and pray all these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.